Welcome to the Immigrant Stories Program. I'm your host, Walter Gallagher, and my interview today is with Antonio. Antonio isn't his real name. We've had to change his name and protect his identity. Antonio came from Mexico when he was five years old, some 30 years ago. He came with his father. The first five years, he lived in Mexico with his parents. But one day, that all changed. When I was only five, my mom decided to go away. I don't know. Maybe she didn't like the poverty that we lived in. So that left my dad and me by ourselves. And we were forced to travel north to what is called the American Dream. It was kind of a long journey. It took like maybe two weeks just to get to Tijuana, Mexico. That's the border of the border between Tijuana and Southern California. Uh, at first, I didn't know what was going on. I thought we were just like traveling, you know. But then after, I realized that we were coming to the country once I got here. I don't really know how I got here. The only, the only thing I remember is that I was given like this pill, you know, so I can go to sleep, don't do anything stupid while they were crossing me across. How did you cross? I crossed with, I don't know, someone else's documents. Some other kid that had the same name, same, but different last name. When I woke up, I was already in Los Angeles, so I didn't know how I got here. I was put to sleep in TJ, Tijuana. Then when I woke up, I was in Los Angeles. So you don't really know how you came across? Did you come no, across in a really car know. or? Uh, it was a car, that's for sure. How old were you? I was only five. The first two days were like hard for me because I wasn't used of being without my dad, you know. My dad was still in Tijuana trying to cross the border. He had to do several attempts to cross because he, they kept getting caught, you know, by the immigrations. So when it took like two weeks so until he crossed, and that was when we got together again. Who did you stay with? I stayed it with, um, I didn't really know that people. They were just family of the, what you call, El Coyote. I was there for a couple of weeks. Were you afraid? Well, when you're a kid, the only thing you want to do is be with your parents, right? Right. Yeah, I was scared, I can say. I was really scared. <laughs> Being by yourself, not knowing the people around you. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Well, anyways, going back, a, going back a little bit before we came to Tijuana, Los Angeles, my dad, my dad was an alcoholic already. While we were still down in Mexico, he met up with his other lady, girlfriend, whatever you want to call her. When my dad came across, the other lady came across too. And later she became my stepmom. So you woke up in the United States not really knowing what had happened, and uh, a while later you had an, a different mother. Yeah, it was weird. It was a whole different experience. How did that feel? It felt, at first I didn't 
like the idea because I really miss my mom from, you know. But then I kind of got used to the idea. So after that, we got in a truck, in the back of a truck. It was like a four or something they had, you know. It was a long extended cabin. We were put in the back, all laid down, laid down, and we travel all the way to Washington. Washington State or Washington? Washington State. And once we got there, I I got to see my grandpa. Then I real then I found out that he had paid for our coyotes, coyotes and stuff, for us to come over to the United States. So it was your grandfather who brought who paid for the coyote and stuff. It's like around four four thousand dollars. It cost four thousand dollars to bring just you me, and your just dad? me and my dad and my stepmom had family here, so they pay for her. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories program. Arturo is describing his harrowing journey from Mexico with his father some 30 years ago when he was five years old. When we got to Washington, we used to live in a basement. Man, it was cold. <laughs> it was hmm. a basement. It was like, it was, and it, there was a bed in there. My stepmom and my dad slept on it. I slept on the floor because, you know, they didn't want to, didn't really like the idea of having a stepmom yet. While we lived in Washington, we lived in that house for, um, like, three months maybe. After that, my stepmom and my dad worked for the Budweiser, Curse Light, um, beer company, the hops, you know, where right. they the hops. Right, the beer company. In the fields. So I usually stayed at home with the lady that owned the house and play with their kids and wait for my parents like eight to even 15 hours a day you know i didn't get to see them much i didn't go to school i don't know why after that my my parents got into an argument with the owners of the house we were asked to leave the house so we went to lived in a hotel it was called the it was the hotel that had the eight on top you know hmm. the motel super eight well, uh-huh. super eight Right. That was that was an okay place to live. After the hop season was over, they usually went in to work on the apple fields. And I was about alone because I didn't have a babysitter. So I stayed in the car for like 10 to 15 hours waiting for them to finish up the work. Sometimes I will get out the car and wander around. All I saw was long fields full of um apples a lot of trees how did how did you feel then what do you remember how how you felt as a person yeah i felt like i was nothing in this world i felt like an ant you know so small that i couldn't reach out i didn't know what was going on i didn't know anything i didn't have any friends i never really went to school at the at the decent age i didn't start school till i was 10. <laughs> so while we were living in washington my parents started drinking a lot. They never, I don't know if they realized that I was a lo- there with them or anything or what was the idea. But it was hard to live like with them, you know, like trying to like, you imagine yourself growing up like, like the other kids, like playing with them, going to like the park or something. But I never got to see any of that. All I saw was like the hotel room, the fields and stuff like that. 
that was that's that was my childhood pretty much when i was five and six and didn't have any friends too <laughs> so you you didn't go to school until you were 10 yeah well when did you start learning english english <laughs> english came like really late in my life it came when i was I knew English, but I knew the slang English, you know, like the bad words and stuff. Because that was the only thing I learned while I was growing up. Because we grew up like in this, I don't know how to say it, like ghetto communities, you know. So we didn't really have a stable place to live. We went from Washington, moved to California for a while. And still, they were still drinking, you know. My dad didn't have a stable job because he, was, he didn't have any papers, either than my stepmom. So while we were living in California, I can still remember moving from place to place, you know, from city to city. I didn't go to school still. I was like, what, eight or nine years old. Were you living in motels? No, we were actually renting rooms, you know, from, yes, rooms, not apartments or anything, yes. An apartment that rented rooms because over there, like, you can't rent a room from someone, like, right away. But because my parents were like drunk all the time, they couldn't either. They could either either not afford the rent or get into arguments with the landlords, you know. So we were always forced to leave. It came to a point when I was eight. It was really bad. That um, my dad didn't want to work. I don't know what was the deal with him or something. The only thing they did was. Just drink, drink, and I don't know. I don't know whether goals were, f- goals were for life, you know. It came to a point that when we were living in Fullerton, we were actually living in the train tracks, man, under a tree. Hmm. It, it was during like a summer and a winter. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Immigrant Stories Program. Antonio is describing his journey from Mexico some 30 years ago with his alcoholic father. Tree that has a lot of like, uh, branches around uh-huh. it, put a mattress underneath, and we slept there for like, I don't know, like six months. Six months. We actually lived with this drunken dude, drunken man. His name was Mike. He was one of those, you know, homeless people that lived there. And he was a nice dude. I think he paid more attention to me than my parents did. (laughs) He was always concerned about my well-being. So he looked out for you? Yeah, pretty much. While we were living in the train tracks, my home was the park, a a laundry mat that was near. The street was was my home for a while, I I can say, because we ate from the trash. I remember going to um to KFC. It was a restaurant over there. Jump on the garbage containers and grab the good chicken and eat it. Hmm. Sometimes we would go to Domino's and get pizza from there from the trash. It tasted it, t- it tasted good because you know when you're hungry, it doesn't matter if it's cold, or if it's warm. As long as you get something in your stomach to fill you up. Oh, that was six months during the winter time. It was warm during the day, but during the night it was cold. Did you have blankets? We had blankets. We used, we actually used like plastic, you know, like to keep us even more warmer. After a summer and a winter living along the tracks, Antonio's dad and stepmom 
finally got enough money together to get a room. And just when Antonio thought that things were getting better, his father erupted one day and beat his stepmom. The police were called, and Antonio's dad was arrested for domestic violence and assault on a police officer. Antonio's stepmom didn't want anything to do with him. So the police took me to this place, orphanage, I don't know what it's called. I was there for like five months. You didn't see your father or, my, or your stepmother? My stepmother, I didn't see her for a while. My dad was like across the street. He was uh, in the county jail or something. And I was just across the street in the, it's not an orphanage, but it's like a place where they take abuse kids, you know. Living in the orphanage house, it was like a big relief for me. It was like I was living a good life. I was fed. They were. I was given clothes every every day. I was shower every day. They pretty much took care of me. Like my parents should have, you know. Yeah. At some point, I didn't want to leave that place. I felt safe there. How old were you by then? I was nine and after the whole orphanage story happened I was giving back to to them with one with a few conditions you know that my dad would get a decent job and that he will send me to school otherwise I was gonna be taken away so my dad got a decent job he was a dishwasher and my stepmom actually worked too. She had a decent job. I don't remember what she did. I think she took care of kids or something. She was like a babysitter. I was sent to school. I was put in the third grade when I was nine. I turned 10 soon after. I feel so dumb compared to other kids. I was the older and I didn't know English very well. I knew some, but I didn't know it, like, you know. To speak it. To speak it. I was so embarrassed at first because kids made fun of me, you know, like. They made, they made fun of me without knowing what had happened to me. What was the, what was, why was the reason that I wasn't in the proper grade? So, you know, my teacher liked me, though, Mr. Haney. He was the man. He taught me a lot of good things so he bef he was your friend he was my friend all my teachers pretty much were my friends and during like going through like third fourth and fifth grade yeah and um i actually third grade i came on top of the class it was pretty obvious because i was the old oldest i guess but i don't know what's what's about this life that something just comes up you know something just comes up well, this time, my stepmom's family had a problem, a really bad problem, too, that they forced us to move to Colorado. Starting all over Starting again. all over. So it wasn't until I was in fifth grade that I actually, we actually did activities in English, everything in English. We started learning about American history, about the Boston Tea Party and stuff like that. We would sing songs about it and stuff. So it was pretty good. Was your dad my pretty dad, sober by 
through this period? Yeah, my dad was doing all right. Well, it was a condition. He had to. There were occasions where my stepmom would beat me up, but, you know, I didn't call the cops or anything. I just didn't want to move again, you know. I just wanted to stay in one place. You feel kind of down sometimes because, you know, you don't have a stable place to live. That stable place to live finally came for Antonio when his dad was deported and Antonio was taken in by the woman he calls his angel. So how did this angel that you you call her, how did this angel appear in your life? Well, first of all, I was uh, friends of her daughter. Every time my stepmom beat me up, I usually run to her house, you know. And she would just open the door for me and say, you're welcome here anytime you want. And because my dad got deported, I didn't want to stay with my stepmom's family at all, you know. Right. Imagine what if I would have. <laughs> so I asked my dad to give my angel legal guardianship over me. So he did. I was kind of shocked because, you know, like, wow. <laughs> so I was happy about it. So I was, I was able to move into a home that wanted me there that actually liked me. And I'm so grateful to her. <laughs> she just she just opened the doors when I needed them. Do you want to have children? I want to have children when the time comes. But I do want to have children. Well, some people who've been through what you've been through don't want to have children. You know... When I have children, I want them to have a good life. I don't want them to have my life. I want them to grow up in a community where they won't be like discriminated, man. I don't want them to experience what hunger is or what living in the streets is. So that's why I'm saying when the right time comes, when I have made something of myself, you know, by this I mean like getting a place, saving some money, somewhere, have something, and have a place where I can take my kids and my spouse, wife. <laughs> I want to have a good family. When you, when the right time comes, your father taught you many lessons, some of them in a negative way. What what will you do differently than your father? I don't know. Today I see my dad as a role model to me, you know, because in a way I can say that uh, I appreciate that he tried to bring me to this country for a better life, but at the same time, I been I just remember all the things I went through and you just wanna tell him like why, you know? Why? But at the same time you don't cause you know, I respect my father. No matter what he did, no matter what he is, he's still my father. The only thing I have left in this world. So it's either 
I like my father. I was safe alone. Are you are you glad you came to the United States? In some way I am. In some way I'm not. <laughs> Talk about that. Coming to the United States is like coming to a new world, man. Living in Mexico is like another world. Unless you're rich, you know, or from the middle class. But from where I come from, it's just poverty, man. We live in, like, in the worst conditions ever. So, yeah, I can say that. In a way, I'm glad to be here. Don't, in, the way, in the negative way that I don't like being here is that it wasn't my choice. And what angers me the most is that even after being here that long, I don't have the same rights as everybody else. I just, simply because I don't have the right papers, you know, because I'm an illegal immigrant. Something that I don't know whether I should be proud of or not. Proud in the sense that I come from a, I'm an immigrant, you know. I come for to better myself. You're an immigrant without papers. But without papers, like being invisible to the world. Where do I stand? <laughs> really complicated, isn't really it? Really complicated. You just gotta. I can see where it would make you very frustrated. Yes. To have lived most of your life here. So I pretty much like, if I ever get deported, or sent away, I won't get mad. I won't curse them out or anything, you know, like, why? Because that's, that's the law. Because, simply because I don't have the proper to come in, the documents to be here, they have the right to throw me out. It's their country, you know? But you are an American in many ways. I am an American, an American, because Mexico belongs to the American continent. So in a way, we are Americans, man. Huh? Yes. But... I'm thankful to be here, you know. What do you miss about Mexico? There's nothing to miss about Mexico, man. I didn't really know anybody. I was too young to remember people. Now I try to talk to them through the phone and they won't even recognize me as their part, as their family. Have you been back there? No, I haven't been back there. To be honest with you, Walter, I don't really want to go back. I feel like I don't belong down there. Uh-huh. It was like, it's like throwing me into like something I don't really know. Even though I'm a illegal immigrant and you can tell I'm Hispanic right away. And in a way, my English is not 100% good but you just feel like I just feel like it's belong here somehow some way I wanna I don't know I wanna be someone that is known not known like internationally but you know I wanna I want people to think of me as you know he did it he didn't need no no parents, he didn't need anything. He, he has needed the will. That will that Antonio talks about, 
has sustained him and helped him to succeed. With the help of his angel and her family, and caring teachers and coaches, Antonio was able to have four great years in high school, and after high school he went on to graduate from college. And in October of 2020, he welcomed his son, Javier, into the world. Today he has a job he loves, building a family that he always wanted that never had. But he is still waiting to be recognized as a citizen of the United States, some 35 years later. You've been listening to the Immigrant Stories program. For more on Immigrant Stories, please go to our website, immigrantstories.net, or to kdnk.org. You can also subscribe to Immigrant Stories online wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.